Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hey guys, this is Russ, and this is the Overlook Podcast. Today, we are talking about the disappearance of John and Jaina Colonna. John and Jaina Colonna are two siblings missing from Loquilla, Puerto Rico. The siblings have been missing since May 5, 1974. Jaina was 11 years old at the time of their disappearance, and John was 12. Now, before we get into this case, I want to make it very clear. There is a lot of missing information from this case online. There is a lot of information that is simply contradicting, or you really don't know where the source came from. You'll find comments or blogs or people are talking about something, but either they don't post a link of where they got the information from, or the link no longer works. So I want to be very clear, all this information is alleged. This is one of the issues I tend to run into when I do cases that are older than, let's say, about 10 years. And I've talked about this before. It's just kind of hard to get that information. And I try to be very clear. I run the podcast because I want to get these stories out. I'm not a professional investigator. I am simply a person trying to get the news out. And so I try to give it to you guys as best as I can. With that said, let's get to the case. Now, on the day of the siblings' disappearance, they were on their way to meet up with a family friend and his children for a fun day at the beach. It's reported that John and Jaina did not make it to that family friend. And some articles have stated that once the parents realized that they weren't with a family friend and they did a search, they then reported the children missing. Now, from what I can find online, for a while there, there really wasn't a lot of updates on what was happening in this case, at least officially. But eight months after the children disappeared, a man named Thomas Rodriguez, who was up in Florida, committed suicide. And when his body was found, they also found a suicide note. And in his note, he explained that the Colonna children had been kidnapped and he went into detail about his role in the whole plot. It was also revealed in this note that they were kidnapped for a ransom of $72,000. Now, online, it looks like for years nothing really happened, but when you look at a couple articles and a couple blog postings on this case, and they're very far and few in between, You'll see people who lived in Puerto Rico at that time who remember this case and they were like, no, this was a huge case in Puerto Rico. It may not have been huge in the mainland, but this was a case that everybody on the island knew about. But it still seems like even they recall not a lot of information coming out about this case for years. All they knew was that allegedly the children had been kidnapped but no one really knew why they may have been targeted or anything other than the fact that this guy, Thomas Rodriguez, was possibly involved. Oh, and the fact that Thomas Rodriguez actually was in fact a neighbor of the Colonna family at one point in time. But then it seems like a lot of news really just did not get out about this case. 
A few years after the children disappeared, in 1982, their father, John Sr., died of cancer. Their mother would later go on to say that when the children disappeared, it was devastating for John. A couple of times he wanted to commit suicide. He told me, let's both commit suicide. Let's go with the kids. I answered him, John, we don't know anything. If you commit suicide, if we die and the children come back, they will be left with a great trauma. We have to be here and be strong to help them when they arrive. But unfortunately, the children never arrived. They never came back home. And years and years passed. But then in 2005, something interesting happened. Interpol, also known as the International Criminal Police Organization, they created quite a stir in this case. Now, first, let me just briefly explain what Interpol is. Yes, it's the International Criminal Police Organization, but essentially they facilitate worldwide police cooperation and apparently crime control. You can kind of think of them as like a global police force. However, it's meant to provide secure communication and support between law enforcement and the 195 Interpol member countries. Now, back to the case. So, in 2005, Interpol, they created quite a stir in this case. They released information that they believed that Chayina and John were not the biological children of their father, John Sr. And this created quite a stir. Their mother came out and denied the allegations. She stated that, Basically, look, I was 19 when I married my husband, and I was a virgin. He was the only man I had been with at the time of their birth. In a later interview with Primera Hora in 2012, she would be quoted as saying, and let me just say loosely quoted because this article was in Spanish and I'm using Google Translate, but something along the lines of these years of anguish instead of searching turned against me and that has hurt me more it broke my heart because god was already giving me strength to accept things when other things happen you see it appears that the resurfacing of this case may have made the mother out to be a suspect i can't find direct articles where anyone is directly saying she is a suspect but there are articles where it's reported that she was subjected to polygraph tests. In a 2023 article with Primera Hora, it stated that she agreed to do this polygraph test, but instead of getting questions about the circumstances of her children's disappearance, she was asked about her sex life. Their mother went on to say it felt like they were trying to solve the case at her expense by selling her reputation while she was basically still already in pain and hurt, still trying to figure out where her children were. In the same article, it details how this whole allegation that the children weren't biologically her husband's even came about. According to this article, their mother said that in 2002, agents had came to her home. Agents had came to her home telling her that they received some clues in the case. She said she was given a story about a girl in Mayaguez who had came forward looking for her mother 
after it had been revealed to her by a dying relative that her real mother was Puerto Rican and that this girl could possibly be her daughter, Janina. It's alleged that then they requested some items for DNA testing, which she, of course, gave them. She still had some baby teeth from when her children were little that she had kept, and she gave them that, and she also did a blood test herself. They also asked for permission to exhume her husband's body, which again, she said yes to. Being a mother who wanted to get whatever answers she could, all of this for them to later come back and say the children were not her husband's, which they said very publicly. The mother went on to say that she wanted another DNA test and she wanted the bishop of San Juan present because there was no way the children could be anyone but her husband's. Those spokesperson for Interpol in Puerto Rico, yeah, they had something different to say about that. And another article from Primera Hora from 2012, the writer described the spokesperson from Interpol basically refusing to apologize to the children's mother, stating that, look, the tests say they're not your husband's children. And the end of the article actually ends with this quote. Again, I'm using Google Translate, so give or take this quote. That is the conclusion so far. She had the right at any given time to request another test if she wanted to. Seeming to imply that they had no issues offering the retesting of the children and her husband's DNA, and they weren't the ones stopping it from happening. Now, the news that the children was possibly not John Sr.'s, that happened in 2005. And that was hard and embarrassing for the mother. Years later in 2012, the mother came forward requesting that her children be declared legally dead. It had been decades. Her husband was gone. She, at the time, had cancer and was just ready to close this sad chapter of her life. But it appears that they might not have ever actually been declared legally dead, depending on what articles you read. Some say they were, but in a 2023 article from Primero Ahora, it is implied that the case was not closed because the director of Interpol mentioned that if the court granted the mother's request to have the children declared legally dead, that that would mean they would have to close the children's case. But also, here's the thing, while they're saying that, this whole time, Interpol had been very hush-hush on what exactly they were doing in the case, what exactly they had found or had not found. It was still kind of unclear to their mother, but also the public. Unfortunately, in April of 2023, the children's mother, Naomi Aponte, died still not knowing what happened to her children leaving many wondering who is still left to fight for justice for these two siblings. While that's all the official information I have on the case, the case leaves a lot of questions and you'll find this all over the web when you search. And when I say all over the web, I do wanna clarify that like, yeah, all over the web, where this case is mentioned, which is unfortunately not a lot of places, at least on the English-speaking side of the web. Because again, when I went to certain smaller blogs, it is mentioned by people in comments, like, no, this case was huge on the island. 
However, it was a struggle for me to find a lot of resources. And the resources I did found, yeah, they were in Spanish. And they were from, of course, Puerto Rican publications. But there were several questions I came across that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, defrostingcoldcases.com, they actually covered this case. And I thought they had some pretty good questions that were also ringing in my mind as well. The first one being, was the family wealthy? Now, the reason we ask this is because we hear that we have that Thomas Rodriguez guy that left a suicide note, which may have been a voice recording and not an actual written note. It really depends which news source you look at. Most news sources just use the term note, but I did come across one article and then a couple comments from people who said they're from the island, they were alive during this time, and it was always said that it was a voice recording and not an actual written note. But I guess that's neither here nor there. Either way, the question about was the family wealthy comes about because usually when people cannot have a ransom, they do that for people who have money to pay the ransom. And there's really not a lot of details on the family status financially. And it seems like people ask this question because they want to make sense of, was this even a family worth trying to get money out of? Did they have the money to even provide to the alleged kidnappers? And I would even go as far as to ask, did the parents ever receive the ransom? Because we hear talk about this ransom note being found by Thomas Rodriguez, who says, yes, there was a kidnapping, I was involved, but this wasn't found until eight months after they disappeared. And nowhere in any of the articles do I actually come across anyone saying that, and the parents realized the kids were missing and they received some type of letter or ransom. There's no mention of it. It's mentioned only when this guy is found dead eight months later. And we don't get the full details of the note, just that police found him, there was a note, and he said some things, but mostly he said that they were kidnapping you, they were kidnapped for this amount. And that's it. We're not given details of, okay, so then what happened next? And did the parents know the children were being kidnapped and held ransom at all? It's not clear. The next question that defrosting cold cases asked was, why the random number of 72,000? I mean, think about it. 72,000, that is a pretty random number. That's 36,000 per child. Why that number? Was it alleged that the father had a bonus or did someone see that, okay, he has this exact amount in his savings account? It just seems very odd. Usually when you think of ransoms, you get a pretty even number like 100,000, a million, 500,000. It's usually a really kind of even number. Or even if it's not even, if we're gonna do something in the 70s and it's not gonna be 70, one would think we would think a number that a person would guesstimate would be like 75. But 36,000 per child just seems really odd. And people have wondered, okay, did they pull that number out of thin air? Or was there a specific reason this number was suggested? Now, another thing people kind of wonder is, who was John Sr.? Now, so the reason this is asked is because we kind of know a little bit about the mother, Naomi Aponte. We know a little bit about the mother because she survived and lived up until just a few months ago. We are pictures of her. She's done newspaper articles. 
but you don't really find a lot about the father online. In some articles, they report that he was a Frenchman. He was older than the mother. And while she was 19 when they got married, certain articles seem to allege that he was in his 30s. But that's about it. People want to know, okay, we have this alleged kidnapping or abduction. We have an alleged ransom that we don't know if ever made it to the parents. Why would they have been targeted? It doesn't seem like there was any particular reason to target the mom. So what about the father? Did he have any enemies? What did he do for a living? Was he connected to anything risky? Did he do anything that might have set some folks? Did he have a lot of money? We don't really know. But it's a question I came across multiple times. Now, the biggest question that I have in this case really is, what does the children's paternity have to do with their disappearance? I thought it was in really poor taste for the investigation team to put out that the children weren't biologically John Sr.'s children. And I found this in poor taste, not because I believe one side or the other. I just really don't understand why it matters, what it has to do with the case whatsoever. It's one thing to release it if you're like, ah, we think they're not the kids and this is a big part of the case. However, from at least the articles I found, and I want to be very clear, I probably did not come across every article written on this. I had a hard time finding them. But from the ones I found, it just seems like they threw that out there and then went, hey, anyways, but then went back to doom scrolling on Twitter or whatever it is they do. Because from what I can see, it was kind of thrown there out there with nothing else and no ties to anything else. I mean, they did not connect it at all. They did not say, and we think this has something to do with it. And maybe the real biological father took one more, was connected to this or anything like that. It was just kind of thrown out there. And even in 2012, when the Primera Hora publication asked if they were willing to give the mother apology, they kind of doubled down and was like, no, because they are not his children. And if she wants to take a test again, she can that just seem in poor taste if it literally has nothing to do with getting us any closer to finding Giannina or John. Like, why throw that out there? If it's not important to the case, I don't understand why that necessarily had to be shared with the rest of the world. That could have been a note in the case file. That could have been something they brought up to the mother. But to have to release it publicly when you aren't really seeing anything else about the case, you're not tying it to anything else about the case, it just seems odd. And speaking of things seeming odd, that is one thing I have came across is people kind of questioning what exactly is Interpol doing? Because at least from the information we can see online, the whole handling of this case has been kind of sketchy. There's a suicide note found saying that there was alleged kidnapping, saying that there was this ransom, but no details about what the ransom was for, no real details about what's really said in the note besides that. And then it looks like no information other than to come out and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> I know it's been decades guys, but by the way, yeah, that's not her baby daddy. Anyways, deuces. Like, what is going on? And then years later, as her mother is suffering with cancer and just wants some finality to the case as she is a sickly older woman and decides that I 
want to be able to make peace with this. I'm going to declare my children instead. As again, by this point in time, it has been like 40 something years. Let's keep that in mind. They come out to be like, oh yeah, also don't do that girl because then we're going to have to close the case. And then it's deuces again. We don't really hear much again. They're just kind of up and leave and not even on a don't do that because we'll have to close the case and we're working on some things we do have some things going none of that just yeah don't do that because then we'll close the case and then again nooses it just strikes a lot of people as odd but with that said let's get to the theories now the first theory i've came across was again it goes back to dad people have wondered if the father was involved in a life of crime if not when the children went missing then before he moved over to puerto rico because again it's alleged that the father was a french man who lived in the mainland of america for some time and then came to puerto rico a comment in the Charlie Ross blog stated that at the time of the children's disappearance, there were rumors that the father was a retired mobster or related to the mafia in some way, and that the children were allegedly adopted for payback over something he did in his past. This commenter also went on to say that there were also rumors that there were also rumors that the exact details about what happened to the children was in the Thomas Rodriguez guy's note, but the police just did not release that to the public or the family uh, for investigative purposes. Now, a couple people comment back to this user and a couple comments down comes back and says that from what they remember, the case actually had solid leads in the beginning and that the FBI was actually very involved in the case from the get-go. The guy who committed suicide, yeah, he was already allegedly a suspect before he killed himself. Now again, this is all from a commenter on a blog. We don't know if that's true. That's all alleged. And he straight up says, hey, this is what the rumors around town were at that time. But they very much were rumors. And this seems to go with a guy being found in Florida, as unfortunately, Florida is known for being a big trafficking state. Now, is there anything else directly leaking them to possible trafficking? No, not at all. But it is definitely one of the theories that gets brought up. And something else I want to break up, because I did mention someone mentioned this in the comments saying, well, it can't be trafficking because they also took the brother. Why didn't they just take the sister? Males are victims of trafficking as well, especially young males, especially young boys we don't hear about it as much as we hear about women being trafficking but young boys can fall victim to trafficking as well it's just not as highly reported or talked about in the news now i did come across a comment where they talked about anejo maldonado who was a former police lieutenant in puerto rico who later went on to serve 40 years in north carolina on a kidnapping charge now, in these comments, it's alleged, alleged that he was a kingpin of a crime organization operating possibly through the Puerto Rican police force in the 1970s until the early 1980s. However, I'm very confused how his name came up in regards to this case. I did find the first comment that originally stated this, and they started this comment off by saying, I wonder what the mother received that implicates Alejo Maldonado. 
but I couldn't find anywhere where the mother actually implicates him. Not in this comment thread, not in any blog posts, or not in any articles. Again, I did find that one on Reddit, and it's very possible that someone edited the original comment that may have said something about this, or it got deleted, or something along those lines. But when I try to look for it, nothing really came up, so I'm not really sure how his name got involved, but I didn't find it anywhere else but on this Reddit thread that this guy was convicted of kidnapping, conspiracy to murder, hijacking, and a couple other things. And he was a part of the police force during the time that children disappear. There's actually no direct correlation to this guy that I am aware of. I search and I search, and besides these comments on it that don't really explain where they got this connection from, I don't can't find it anywhere else. Now, one more thing I do want to throw in that comes across this case, not so much in regards to what happened to the children, but more so about the DNA of the children not matching the father. Um, there's multiple comments I've came across where people have said, the father, John Sr., died of cancer, and he had lots of blood transfusions. Perhaps his DNA got mixed up, and that's why we were having the DNA test results that we seen. And I thought this was pretty interesting, so I went to Google, and me, being me, not having any medical background or training whatsoever, was like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And I Googled it. And then Google told me, that's stupid. That's totally not a thing. Please stop asking dumb questions. Now, that's more of a summarization of what Google said, because it said a lot of technical words that I had to Google and did not understand. But that was essentially the gist of what it said, that yeah, blood transfusions don't change your DNA. And I thought that was important to mention because I actually came across comments about his blood transfusion being the possible reason why DNA did not match on a few different sites. Um, according to the Google, that's just really not a thing. And the same can be said for the teeth because I did come across two comments that mentioned, well, the teeth weren't well preserved. Is there a chance that that could have messed up the DNA? But here's the thing. Um, a lot of times the DNA that's being tested isn't exactly well preserved. Think about it. When people's bodies are found from like the 1980s and it was found in 2023 and police use DNA testing to discover who the person is, unless the DNA is completely contaminated, like dripped in acid type of thing, they are still able to pull DNA from these samples that were buried for the last 30 years just fine and match. So I'm pretty sure that children's teeth tucked away in their mother's mother's cabinet wasn't severely damaged enough to cause error in DNA testing. With that said, however, I did come across comments where people have alleged that there was actually two tests done. One of the tests came back that the children were his and it was a match, but then they used a new DNA system and that one said they weren't and they moved the second one. But I was said in a comment by some random stranger on the internet, I don't know how true that is. But as of right now, Nothing about what they have told us about the children's DNA allegedly not matching the father's has anything to do with the case as far as we know. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. If it has nothing to do with the children and it's not bringing them back or getting the family closure, I think the argument is pointless regardless. That's none of my business as far as I'm concerned. It does not seem like that point moves the case any further along than us not knowing at all. So 
yeah, that's where I pretty much leave that theory. I, I, I kind of don't care because it seems pointless. If we discover that it was not pointless, then I'll take my comments back. And I guess we can debate over the theories after all. But as of right now, again, it just seemed like something petty that was thrown out there that really have no bearings on the case. Now, lastly, the theory you'll come across is that the siblings are deceased. It just seems to be, how can they be missing this long and no one knows anything? And also with this theory, people point out the guy allegedly involved in all of this felt so bad that he committed suicide and they believe they he committed suicide because the children were killed. Some people with this theory think if they were still alive, why would he commit suicide? Why would his guilt be so bad that he would take his own life instead of his guilt being so bad that he points them in the direction of where to find the children? Now, on the other hand of that, people can ask and point out, well, but yeah, the way that Interpol is acting about this case is a little sketchy, is a little off, and leaves some to wonder if there's not more going on and if these kids are possibly alive somewhere and we're just not being told. But as of now, it's all really a big mystery that, unfortunately, we just don't have the answers to. What we do know is that Janina and John, Colonna, Ponte, are still missing, and no one knows where they are. I asked if you believe you have any information about the disappearance of these siblings, that you please contact the Puerto Rico State Clearinghouse at 787-729-2400. Five, seven. Unfortunately, that's all the information I have on this case. But I hope that by spreading word, we are getting closer and closer to finding the truth and finding these two siblings. Now, as always, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means that you can head over to my Instagram where I will have pictures of both siblings with what they look like back then and their age progression pictures, which again, we know can be a complete and total hit or miss, but the pictures will be up there. And you can find my Instagram at the overlooked underscore podcast. As always, I ask that you guys be safe, that you guys stay vigilant, and you will hear the sound of my voice with a new episode on July the 2nd. You guys have a great weekend, and thank you for listening. Bye. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter.